0: Good morning. We are going to continue with our series on the Lord's Prayer. And this morning we are focusing on the line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. To anchor our time this morning, we are going to be reading through Psalm 103. Now we've been Using and landing in Psalm 103 for several weeks now, using it in part of our liturgy, as part of our prayers, and I I just sense God's leading to read through it again this morning. So, hear God's word from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He has made his ways known to Moses his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are from above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servants, who do his will. (coughs) Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we praise you, we praise your holy name, and we forget not your benefits, and as we meditate on your word this morning, may our time here be pleasing with you, pleasing to you, and bring you praise and honor by the power of the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I have really enjoyed this series. I have found um, that my prayer life has been reinvigorated it's been challenging and encouraging, and I hope that you have been blessed with this as well. As I mentioned earlier this morning, we are meditating on the line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, before we delve into it, we need to set the context. I know I'm like a broken record on this, but we need to see the context of this line in the rest of the prayer, in the, in the model prayer that Jesus has given us. So Jesus says, when we pray, this is how we start. This is how we orient our lives. This is how we orient our hearts and our minds. We say, our Father, who is near us. So Dave introduced this idea weeks ago, but it bears repeating. This whole prayer is based on the care and the blessing of, of our Father God and who he is. If we who are evil can give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father, who is perfect and good and loving and gracious, give his children, us, good gifts? How much more? As Psalm 103 says, God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And after we turn our hearts and minds to our Father who is near us, Jesus says the next step is to ask our Father to be honored because he is good and we want him recognized as such. Psalm 103 talked about this and Andrew spoke about it, about his kingdom coming. His kingdom is good. He works righteousness for the oppressed. Under his kingdom rule, our lives are redeemed from the pit. His compassion is extended from generation to generation. His kingdom is good, and we ask that his rule is extended in our lives that his kingdom comes on earth and that his will is done. And our Father God, in Psalm 103, says he heals us. He provides for us. He satisfies our desires with good things. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. As Joel said, taught us last or a couple weeks ago. And our Father God, as in Psalm 103 says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. He removes our transgressions. And so we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. As Mark went through a couple weeks ago. And so now we come. We come to this line on the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think the best paraphrase for this in my studies is basically to say, Lord, spare us from the bad things that can happen. This request is a humble plea Acknowledging our complete dependence on our Lord. Acknowledging that we are weak and feeble. It's essentially a vote of no confidence in us, in ourselves, in our abilities against trials, temptations, against evil. It's a vote of no confidence. But it is a vote of complete confidence in our Father God. Psalm 103, our days are like grass, we are like dust, no confidence, but yet our Lord is with us and his love is extended to us, full confidence. Spare us, Lord, from the bad things that can happen to us. Well, let's look at this a little bit more closely. I'd like to split this phrase into two parts. The first part is lead us not into temptation. So how do we understand lead us not? The best example that I found that I thought was most helpful comes from a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. The author said, When travelers take long camel trips into the deserts of the Middle East, they must have a guide. The guide knows how to reach the destination. Without that information, the traveling party will die. From experience, I know that selecting the right guide must be done with great care. The party must trust the guide and have full confidence that he knows exactly where he is going and he will not play Russian roulette with their lives. They must feel the guide is capable of coping with any emergency that might arise on the journey. This phrase in the Lord's Prayer expresses the confidence of an earthly pilgrim traveling with a divine guide. An earthly pilgrim traveling with a divine guide. So, what about this word temptation or trial? Is it temptation or trial? The answer there is yes. The Greek word is actually used for both, temptation and trial. And in some ways... I don't know that this distinction is all that important. So as Dallas Willard, one of my favorites, says, trials always tempt us to sin, and temptation to sin is always a trial, which we might fail by falling into sin. Moreover, the bad things that come upon us are always trials. So it's kind of a circular way to say that Trials always tempt us, and temptations are always trials. But there are dangers in temptations and trials. There's deep danger. And this is why Jesus tells us to say, lead us not. So what is the danger? Well, I think the best thing to do there to try and figure that out is to go back to the garden. We read the account earlier in the service. God said, you can eat from any tree in the garden, any tree. Just not that one. It's not good for you, not that one. Do you hear the abundance of that statement, any tree? Do you hear the blessing in that statement? You can eat from it. You'll be sustained by it. Do you hear the protection in that statement? Not that one. It's bad for you. In walks the serpent. I don't think God, I wonder what God said. Did he say you can't have any tree? None of the trees. He distorts God's word. And he distorts God's word in such a way to take this beautiful promise of abundance and say, scarcity, nothing. I'm not sure that God really gave you very much. Well, now Eve corrects him. He says, no, no, no. God God did say, we can have trees in the garden, just not that one, and we can't touch it. You hear that? She distorts God's word. That's not... What God said. Okay, so now the serpent says, all right, I'm going in for it now. All in. God is not to be trusted. His blessings are not blessings. His protection is not protection. You won't die. He's actually keeping something good from you. You'll be like God. Knowing good from evil. The temptation here is to be suspicious of God. To be suspicious of God and his motives. About his goodness and his trustworthiness and his protection. This is the danger. To lose trust in our good Father God. And to lose trust in our divine guide. And how often do we, like Adam and Eve, act on this temptation? Think that God is not with us? That maybe he's keeping something good from us? That he's really not trustworthy? So we distort his word. We strike out on our own. On our, our own so called wisdom. This is what I call first order temptation to lose trust in our good Father. So, when difficulty happens, when the wicked seem to flourish, when sickness comes, the danger is to be suspicious of God. And his motives. Now there will be times of wrestling with him. There will be times we don't understand what's going on. Why struggles are happening. Why bad things occur. There will be struggles like that. I mean think back to Habakkuk. And the back and forth in that book. And the struggles that the prophet had. We don't understand what God is about at times. A lot of times. And there will be times about doubting God and his activity in this world. How are things going the way God intends? And when those times come, Jesus tells us, pray, pray. Pray that God keeps us and sustains us so that we do not lose faith in him. That we do not lose faith in our divine guide. Dallas Willard said, God expects us to pray to escape trials. And we should do it. The bad things that happen to us are always challenges to our faith, and we may not be able to stand up under them. They are dangerous. To know this, one only has to watch how quickly people begin to attack God. When bad things start to happen to them. First order temptation, being suspicious of God and his motives, being suspicious of God of who God is and what he is about. So this is our plea. Lead us not into trials. We are feeble creatures that will crumple at the the smallest hardship. And we are quick to second-guess our good Father who is near us. So Father, in your wisdom and care, we are desperate that you keep us from harm so that we do not lose faith in you. All right, let's move on to the next part of the phrase, deliver us from the evil one. Is it evil or the evil one? It appears that most scholars think that in this context it is the evil one. But again, I'm not sure that the distinction is all that important. However, C.S. Lewis says, There are two and equal opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. And the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. my sense is that in the American church or at least in the tradition that I grew up in and in my life I tend towards the first error. To disbelieve or to minimize the existence or activity of the devil. And as Jesus points out here we do well to remember that there are vindictive Forces and personal forces out there that are opposed to our good Father. And Jesus encourages us to regularly ask for deliverance from them. And asking for deliverance means we expect it's going to come. We think that God can bring it. Well, what does that deliverance look like? I don't think it's necessarily the immediate removal from, but I think it's more about the abiding presence and deep provision through. Think about the story of deliverance of God's people from Egypt. God says, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Think about that story. That deliverance took 400 years. And it was confusing and complicated and scary. But deliverance came. And through that whole process of deliverance, God's provision and care and abundance and protection was demonstrated. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what does this request look like in life, in action? As always, let us look to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, we have the accounts of Jesus being tempted by Satan. Now, before Jesus was led into the desert, he was baptized. And as he came out from under the water, God declared over Jesus, he said, this is my son, whom I love him, I am well pleased. Do you hear the abundance and the blessing and the protection in that statement that God spoke over Jesus? Well, in the time of testing and temptation, Satan goes right after that. He tries to undermine that declaration. If, 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 you are the Son of God, I'm not so sure about that. If you are, why don't you just uh, turn those stone into bread? I think I think we need a little extra proof. Jesus says, "Man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from God the Father, and God has already declared over me that I am his Son and I am loved." And he is pleased with me. We don't need to do anything more. Okay, Satan says, All right. Well, you think you're the son. If you're the son, does God really love you? Let's test that out. Throw yourself off a building. Let's see. Let's see how important you are to God. Jesus says, Don't put the Lord your God to the test. He declared his love for me, and I know it. I don't have to do that. Okay. Last one. Satan says, worship me, and I'll give you everything. I'll give you the world. What do you value? Jesus says, worship God alone. He has declared his love for me, and I believe it, and I will not strike out on my own. I will remain in the abundance and the blessing and the protection of my good Father. All right, so then, that's Jesus, our Lord, our Rabbi, the one to whom we are apprenticing ourselves to, the one to whom we are learning from, we are walking with Him, so how do we do this? How do we live this? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How do we really trust our Lord God, our good Father and divine guide? Well, I think the first is to see this request as it is a plea and a gift. This request is in the same category as the other two right before it. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. It is recognizing our complete and utter dependence on God. And so this, as we say this, as we think about this, this phrase helps reorient ourselves, recalibrate ourselves away from this idea of self-sufficiency And it protects us from trying us to strike out on our own. To prove something to ourselves or to try and prove something to God. This phrase is a gift. Allowing us. Jesus is saying, I know you're weak. I know you're dependent. God does too. Embrace it. Pray it. Because I'm with you and I'm your good father. It allows us to bring our neediness and our dependence to God honestly. He invites it. Next thing I think is to, as Jesus told us, we have to practice this model prayer and offer this humble plea to our God. Often. Often as much as we need. Because as we do this, as we attentively use this model, this phrase, we'll begin to see how God actually does deliver us and how he does lead us away from bad things. And then our eyes will be opened even more to how good our Father is. And then we can be assured that when the bad things do happen, we know that they are playing a function in God's kingdom because he is a good father. And lastly, as Jesus showed us, make his word a part of us. Bring His Word into our lives. Look at that Word of God like our lives depend on it. Because they do. God's Word is life. His words are precious and they're beautiful. His words are active and living. We need to preach those words to our soul. Just like Psalm 103 shows tells us, "Say who God is again and again. And we need to preach it to the evil one, in the midst of God's deliverance, just like Jesus does. Let us study His word like we did, like we said in the in the um, call to worship. Let's talk about His word with each other. Let's impress His Word on our children. Let's talk about God's Word when we sit down, when we get up, when we lie down, when we rest. Let's meditate on His Words. Make them a part of us. Because when the news cycle gets crazy and there's rumors of war flying about, then Jesus' words will come to us. When Jesus tells us, don't get alarmed. Because his peace he gives to us. He does not give to us as the world gives. He gives us his peace. So we may not be troubled. We may not be afraid. So may we cast all our anxiety on him. Because he cares for us. This is good news. Please join me in prayer. Our Father, you are near us. You are here. We hope and want you to be honored and known. You are so gracious to us, your children. You know our weaknesses and failings, yet you extend your love, your abundance, your blessing, and your protection to us daily. May we pray these words that your Son gave us. May they become a part of our life with you so that you may be known by the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.